Okay, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. So you've said hello now. You can sit back down. You've stretched your legs. <laughs> You're going to run around the church building. Okay, no worries. You can do that. Okay. So, we, so we're, starting a, we're starting a series this morning. We don't do this often. But we're starting a series this morning on being free. Is anyone excited about that? It's not something that you can kind of fit into a week or two. So there's going to be five weeks of this topic. Five weeks. That's a good number. Five. Grace. But then on the back of that, we've actually got a visiting speaker. Jen Jessup is coming up for the weekend. For those that know Jen. We're blessed to have Jen back and her main area of, of ministry is actually this. So God kind of worked it all together. So um, we're really excited about this. I know this is God because when I was in my room yesterday praying, the enemy said, if you start speaking this message, people are going to leave Restoration Centre and they're going to get up in their chairs and they're going to leave. And I went, oh well. We, that's, um, that's the lie of the enemy because we are here because of Jesus, aren't we? The battle is spiritual. It's not against flesh and blood. The battle is spiritual. Even sometimes, you know, on a Friday night when you think, oh, you know, don't want to engage in prayer. You know, those times when you go through different things in your life, the battle is spiritual. And we've always got choices that we need to make. You know, God has given us the power to choose. And so uh, we're going to get into this living as Christ intended. Amen. So, Father, we want to thank you for this time together. We want to thank you for your word that is living and active. And as we gather in this place, we bind every spirit that would, that would cause us to be deaf. We bind every spirit of pride. We bind every spirit that would seek to deceive and to, and to distract us. And we just, Lord, we just position ourselves before you and we thank you Holy Spirit that you take what is needed and you speak to us we thank you Jesus that you came to set the captives free free indeed and we thank you that you're raising up your church you're raising up the bride of Christ for such a time as this and the people said amen, amen. We're going to run a little bit late today. I apologise for that, but time is really not of the essence in a sense, other than we have to be out of here by a certain time and get back, back here tonight. Jesus came declaring those words, didn't he? I've come to set the captives free. He said it in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And he was referring to the verses from Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, we read, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, and to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. That's the ministry of Christ right there. The ministry that we receive and the ministry that we participate in, the ministry of Christ until he comes. Is there an amen? You know, in John chapter 8, From verse 30, we read these things. As he was saying these things, he started to talk about his, his death. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him in, in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are truly free. Ooh. If Jesus came to set us free... And not just free, but free indeed. If Jesus came to set us truly free, if Jesus declared that I've come to bring you life and life in abundant, why do many believers struggle in their walk? Is that a fair question? If Jesus came to set us truly free, then why do so many believers continue to struggle in their walk with God? Good question. You know, when you talk to people, you know, sometimes we have to be careful that we just don't give people flippant answers. You know what I mean? You know when someone's going through a really hard time and, you, and, and like all you do is just quote a verse of scripture to them without carrying the heart of the Father to them? We have to be careful that we just don't take a word and just kind of, you know, give someone the, the quick fix answer. You know, in Galatians 5.16 it says, I say then... Live by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Well, there's your kind of quick answer. Live by the Spirit. But you know what? We've actually got to dig a lot deeper than that, don't we? We have to dig a lot deeper than just that verse of Scripture. We have to unpack Scripture. We, just, we have to go back to the Word. We have to go back to what Jesus was ministering and what Jesus was saying, and we need to go a bit, a bit deeper. And it's really interesting that we live in a time right now when, you know, there is a fresh hunger that is beginning to be stirred, beginning to rise amongst the church. But there is actually an increase um, in awareness of the spiritual things. People have been seeing the Jesus Revolution movie and there's some of us still yet to see that over the next few days. But there's another movie that's been going on. And one of those movies is called Come Out in Jesus' Name. I haven't seen it yet. But they're showing it in movie theatres in America. Come out in Jesus' name. And there are people being delivered in the cinemas. Like, whoa. Someone got up to preach on the back of it. And people were being set free. We're going to dig a bit deeper over the next five weeks. And if you can't make it next week, I really want to encourage you to hook in 
on Spotify or iTunes or whatever because we have to hear the whole picture. We want to lay a bit of a foundation this morning for the, for the next few weeks. Is that okay? So the answer is, to the question is, why do Christians, so many Christians still struggle in their walk? It's because that we've allowed the enemy to have access through undealt with sin. We've allowed the enemy access by not dealing with stuff. By not even thinking that certain things are sin. And we've, and we've left open doors for the enemy to create havoc in our life and indeed in the churches. Jesus said in Luke uh, chapter 10 verse 19, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now what an encouragement that is, amen? I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Yet if we do not exercise that authority, the enemy has power. Yeah? If we do not exercise the authority that Christ has given to us, the, we, we allow the enemy for his power to at work in our lives and through our lives and in the church. And you may say, well, sin, sin Tim, what, like what sin? I haven't committed adultery, I haven't murdered anyone, I, like what? Like, what are we talking about? Is there someone that when their name is mentioned, there's something goes on in here? Is there someone even in the room today that you just like, you're carrying unforgiveness towards that when you see them face to face, you really can't. You just kind of got to turn and walk the other way. That's sin. Unforgiveness is a door where you've allowed the enemy to reap havoc in your life. That's sin. What about fear? Has there been a time, even just this week, where you really felt God was telling you to do something and you didn't do it because of fear? whether that was talking to someone in the street, whether that was bringing a verse of Scripture this morning that was burning on your heart, and you were like, no, I can't do it because I can't use the microphone. If we allow fear to govern our lives, it's sin. Are you withholding giving because of a mentality that says I won't have enough? That's sin. Do you gossip? Do you slander? Do you judge others? Do you pull down others behind their back without their knowledge? That's sin. Not to mention the things that are in society. One of the weeks we're going to go after some of these things. We're going to go after porn. We talk about drugs and alcohol, but porn is ravaging through our society. And I believe it's through the church. Witchcraft, not just witchcraft as in we think about witches doing their things, but control, manipulation, Harry Potter, Pokemon, every demonic thing that is entering into the homes and lives of believers, that's all sin. There's so much. This feels a bit heavy right now, doesn't it? You're like, whoa. But the good news is that Jesus came to set us free. 
when we allow the enemy these doors and these access points into our lives, when Jesus said, I've actually given you all authority over the power of the enemy. You just need to deal with it. That God is so good. He's so kind. I just, I mean, well, it has to be sin or it has to be pride. Well, pride is sin. We'll get to that in a minute as well. But you know when, when like, no, that's just gone. We'll move on. God is so good. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's come back around again. You know when you do something and you know, like, you know, you know what you should do. And when you do something, like, you know you should run to God. You know you should run to him because he's a good father. Yes? Amen? If you are not reminded about that, just go back and read the story of the prodigal son again who told his dad, drop dead dad, I don't want anything to do with you, I just want my inheritance and I'm going to go away and squander it. The love of the Father, the goodness of God is so good. Scripture says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it's his kindness and his goodness that leads us to repentance. Amen. We are, when, when we are face to face with the goodness of God, something happens in here. Something happens in here. That's the ministry that we're called to. Because the Word of God says that we bless those who curse us. We, we love our enemies. And, it, and as we bless those that curse us, as we love our enemies, the, the Word says it's like we're heaping coals on them. It, but it's the goodness of God. When people encounter the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit convicts people. But what we tend to do is we tend to run away from God, don't we? No? No? So many people, when they encounter something, they hide because we don't understand the goodness of God. We've had experiences with people in our life that have shaped our image of God rather than knowing that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He took it all for us and we actually have open access to come boldly before the throne of grace. It's not us. It's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that we've deserved. It's Jesus and Jesus only is there an amen. But we have to understand with this journey over the next little bit that God is a good God. And it's his kindness and his goodness that leads us to repentance. When we talk about demons and we talk about spirits, I said this last week briefly, across the church there's this, there's this whole like pendulum swing. Over this side of the pendulum swing, there's all these people that go, no, that doesn't exist. You know, there are people that, that, that attend church on a Sunday that don't even believe there's a hell anymore. It's true. It's called progressive Christianity. And they start to remove all this stuff out of Scripture that they don't like, you know, the world calls it, well, some people call it woke, wokeness or whatever they call it, woke, wokeness. But it's progressive Christianity. It's removing the foundations. That's why I said stay away from the mirror Bible. It's from the pit of hell, Francois Dutois. If you hear anyone wanting to read it, someone messaged me about it the other day. And I said, just, you know, just tell your friends, burn it in the fire. Because he's a universalist who believes that you don't even have to be born again to be saved. Well, hang on a minute. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. So there's, in the same way, there's all these people that go, no, 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 there is no spirits, there is no demons, there's, you know, all this stuff, you know, once you're a Christian, that's it, it's all good. But then, but then on the other end of the pendulum swing, you've got people looking for a demon in every corner. 
Oh, this person's got a demon. This person's got a demon. That's a demon, 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 demon. And I'm like, are, are we glorifying Jesus right now or are we glorifying demons? So you, you, that, um, that's the extremes, okay? That's the extremes. <laughs> so we want to talk about this stuff, don't we? Who wants to talk about this stuff? Good. Awesome. Most of us do. The biblical truth is that Jesus spent a lot of his time casting out demons. He came preaching, teaching, healing, demonstrating the kingdom of God. And he, was, and he spent a lot of his time casting out demons. It's no wonder that Satan doesn't want this kind of ministry back in the church of Jesus Christ. It's no wonder because he wants people to stay bound. He wants people to keep struggling in their walk because what, what is it going to look like when the church is really living out the victory that was won at Calvary? No wonder he wants to keep people deaf to this. I've even got some confessions along the way. I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> Bless you, brother Dave. It's good. The truth is that believers can be influenced by demonic powers if we have left open doors. We're going to look at this over the next few weeks. That's the truth. Even unto sickness. Ooh. Now, I'll put a disclaimer up. I'm not saying that every sickness is demonic. I'm not saying that. I cannot back that. You know, remember, in, uh, was it uh, John chapter 9? When the one that came to Jesus and they said... Was this his parents who sinned or did he sin? And he goes, no, nah, neither. You see? Can I be really honest and say some of our sickness today is caused by our diets? Well, anyway, I'm just putting that one out there. Anyway. So I just want you to... Know that I'm not saying that all sickness is demonic. Yeah? Have we got that? Please don't go away today and say, Tim said that all sickness is demonic. Please, please, please don't do that. But, you know, I remember, and as I was praying into this time, and as I was preparing in this time, I was reminded about people that, I, that, that the Lord has had me minister to over the years. You know, I remember the story of the lady who was on her 60th birthday, was going to be in a wheelchair. And her husband called me and one of my intercessors over and we prayed for her because he said, can you please pray for my wife? And I remember the fact it was like, you know, that's kind of in your face, isn't it? When someone's about to go into a wheelchair and the husband is desperate and we're like, well, we got nothing at the moment. But when we went into there and we started to pray for her and we started to lay hands on her, you know, the intercessor was shown that years and years and years ago that she was molested as a young child. And she, she'd faced trauma in her life. I cannot imagine what that would be like. But she'd faced trauma in her life that was never dealt with. And do you know why her spine was breaking down? It was because of that undealt with trauma. Well, we actually set her free 
of what happened to her. And the next minute, her spine went click, 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 click. And she got healed. What about, what about the alcoholic guy? Some of you know this story. What about the alcoholic guy who was sick? He was like death warmed up. But no one knew that he was an alcoholic. For 25 years, he'd been coming to church. For 25 years, he'd been doing his thing. But, you know, he just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And everyone was praying for him, you know, pray for healing in Jesus' name. But nothing was happening. Anyway, they brought him to me and said, would you pray for him? And so as I prayed for him, the Lord actually said he's got a hidden sin in his life that needs to be confessed. Well, that's not something that you just kind of jump in with. Oh, the Lord says you've got a hidden sin in your life that you need to confess. And I'm sitting there going, boop, 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 boop. Yes, I get those sweaty palms and heart things too, you know. And anyway, long, long story short, when I said it to him, I could tell it was correct because his face went, you know. But it took him five minutes to actually feel like he was in a safe place where he, where he could bring it out. Because all he'd seen in church life was judgment and criticism and judgment and criticism. Anyway, when he brought it out, I said, do you want to be set free of this tonight? And he says, yes. And as he said, yes, I saw an axe come to the root of the vine. And we took authority over that spirit and we cast it out of him. And he was a new man. I was reading scripture. And, I, you know... Because it's always good. I mean, it's great to tell stories, but it's good to go back to Scripture, isn't it? In 1 Corinthians um, 11, sometimes people use this in terms of the Lord's Supper of communion. And it says, now in this instruction, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, I do not praise you, for since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Ooh. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And you go, whoa. So when you come together, he said, it is, not, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at the meal, each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church, the body of Christ, and humiliate those who have nothing? You see, what was happening here was that there was a love feast. It's not just like a little bit of a wine and a bit of bread, but it's like the Aussie version of a bring and share supper. But some people had lots and some people had nothing. And the people that had lots were disregarding the people that had nothing. That's what Paul's addressing. When you come together, you're only centred on yourself and you're getting what you can get. Well, if you want to get drunk and you want to eat and have your fill, do that in your homes. But when you come together as the body of Christ, you actually need to be concerned about one another. That's what he's addressing. The concern for the one another, not for self, but for one another. And as we go on to read this passage... And that's when he goes, for what I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And so that's when he, so we get down to verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Ooh. Do we take that seriously? Do we just come because someone says come and we grab the cup and we go, yeah, thank you, Jesus. But am I harboring stuff in here? 
just going to get a little bit heavy for a minute. We'll get there. This is why, oh, sorry, for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are sick and ill among you, and many of you have fallen asleep, that is, died. Whoa. Hang on a minute. Many of you are sick and ill because you're drinking the cup and eating the bread in an unworthy manner because you are not thinking of one another, but you're only thinking of yourself. Oh. There are three things that are critical in this journey. And I want to kind of finish with this today as we lay a bit of foundation. We got all right? Good. The first thing is understanding the true meaning of possession. That's the first thing we have to understand because when you read Scripture, you say, you know, you read the words demon possessed, demon possession. Yep. And in my thinking, this is, the, this is actually one of the things that I need to put my hand up for and confess. In my thinking, without digging deeper into it, my thinking of possession was ownership. When you possess something, my thought pattern went straight to ownership. But then when you actually understand the Greek word behind it, it's, it, it actually doesn't mean ownership. You know, the, the, the classic example is that you could leave your car unlocked on the street out there and you could come in here and we could be worshipping the Lord and there'd be such a noise and stuff going on in here that you don't realise that someone's actually come and tested your car and found it unlocked and they've come in and they've grabbed something and then they've taken it and they've gone. That's a good example. The person who came in and stole something from your car doesn't own your car. You own your car. But you've allowed the enemy access to steal something from you. That is an open door, literally. That is what happens spiritually in our lives. When we, when we, when we leave a door open, we allow the enemy to come in and have access and steal, kill and destroy. When Jesus said, I've come to bring you life and life abundant. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. Maybe I should get Danette up here. She's like... Or Josh, he's probably pretty good with this kind of stuff too. So please, my Greek is really bad, okay? The main word we read in Scripture for demonic possession is dahimonai zomahi. Close. I'm close. It's good. I'm close. It means to gain power over. It doesn't mean ownership. It means to gain power over influence, but not ownership. Nowhere does it say that. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. Now, there's slight variances in this word from a demonic being through to Satan himself, but the one that's mostly used is actually that word. Okay? So that's what it means. Gain power over influence. Do we get influenced? Do we feel like there's some power? 
You know, sometimes, back a few years ago, funnily enough, before we were moving to Bundaberg, I had a panic attack. I did. I am not prone to a panic attack. But I literally had a panic attack. And it wasn't something that was just here today and gone tomorrow. I had racy heart and sweaty palms and felt in a state of fear and panic for day after day after day after day after day after day. Until I realised that through an access door of fear that I'd allow the enemy to actually create this in my life. And the moment I repented of that and I decided to trust God instead, the door shut. And I started to walk free. The second issue that we've got to understand is the issue of pride. Is there anyone here who doesn't have pride? I'm glad no one put their hand up. Like, Because pride is so much more than, oh, look at me. It is so much more. Self-reliance. You know, I'll get it, I'll figure it out, I'll do it. Pride. Look at me, look what I've done. Pride. Not accepting help from a fellow believer. Oh, pride. I can't. Someone comes to you and they have a word for you and it's, and it's like, no, I don't want to receive that. Pride. There's all these sneaky ways that pride's there. You know, let's go back to John chapter 8. We're nearly there. So in there, Jesus is saying, if you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The response of the people was, we are descendants of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Does anyone know the history of Israel here? We have never been enslaved to anyone. Um, okay. We just forget about most of the Old Testament then. It's like, you know, the Egyptians and the... Anyway. It's just this, you know, we're good. I'm good. You're good. We're not, we're not enslaved to anyone. We're not enslaved to anything. And Christians can be just like that. No, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I'm not enslaved to anything. I don't have any problems. I'm good. And it's just pride, just putting a cloak over it. Can I just talk about Peter for a minute? Peter was one of the few people in Scripture. Are we going okay? Peter was one of the few people in Scripture that Satan actually asked for. And I'm like, whoa. I never thought about this before. This is another one of the things I confess. Never thought about it this, this way before. But I'm thinking, if Satan is asking for Peter then there has to be an access point. There has to be something going on here that I haven't seen before. So in Luke chapter 22, 
verses 31 to 34, Jesus is speaking and he says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And here's Peter's response. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go to prison. Oh, sorry, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times. If we turn to Matthew's account, there's probably a little bit more in that. Matthew 26, 31 to 35. Jesus said to them, Tonight all of you will fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Yep. So Jesus actually quoting scripture, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. All of you, all of you are going to deny me. All of you are going to go away. And he's good old Peter. Even if everyone else falls away because of you, I will never fall away. And I'm like, oh, there's pride. Peter had pride. Right there. You know, there used to be a song back in the 90s. It's um, uh, Jesus, lover of my soul. Anyone else know that song? It was like, Jesus, lover of my soul. And they used to sing, Jesus, I will never let you go. And I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so when we've sung it at Friday Night Prayer or whatever, I get people to change the words. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, you will never let me go. Because even in the word of that song, Jesus, I'll never let you go. Uh, uh, I think I just let him go. You know what I mean? Let's just be real for a minute, yeah? Let's just be real. I'll never let you go, Jesus. And then something happens in life and you go, oh, it's, it, it's pride. Pride. Pride stops us. In all kinds of ways, independent spirit, pride, self-sufficiency, pride. Pride even stops us in true biblical fellowship. It's pride. So we're going to have to understand that because we're going to have to get rid of pride. And the third thing that we need to understand is repentance. Because there's a false teaching that is around, that says, you know, you repent once and it's all done with and you never have to worry about that stuff again. We don't understand repentance. And we actually don't understand the power of what is attached to repentance. Metanoia. There's another one somewhere. Metaneo. Metanoia. It's a change. It's a change of mind. It's thinking different, differently. It's actually regretting something and actually making a choice. It's all that stuff. Jesus came preaching, Matthew 4, 17. Jesus came repeating, uh, preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostles continued that on through the book of Acts. Repent, repent, repent. All the way through to Revelation when Jesus ministers to the seven churches in Revelation and he says, repent. We all face times and moments when we're, something is going on and you go, oh, 
I need to repent of that. I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I want to walk this way. Anyone else? One of the easiest ones is a gossip trail. Gossip, 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 gossip. Oh, hang on a minute. I've just got sucked into it as well. God, I repent of it. I don't want anything to do with that. That is not you. That is not the way of walking in the spirit. And I'm going to walk this way. You have to repent. And even this morning, if you're thinking, oh dear, I do have pride. You know what you can do? You can repent of it. You can repent of it. We're going to look at repentance over the next few weeks. Is that okay? We're going to look at all these things. We're going to, we're going to look at more. We're going, to, we're going to look at what it means to really walk in the light. Because what I said last, last week is that Satan cannot dwell in light. He only dwells in darkness. So the moment you, you, you hide something, you're actually giving the enemy access to use that. Oh, how freeing it's going to be when we can just go to someone and go, I just need to confess this. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you will be healed. I just need to get this off my chest. This is what I've been saying. This is, this is what I've been doing. This is what's been going on. Oh, and I repent of it. I'm believing over the next five weeks, or plus six if you include Jen, which is going to be a powerful weekend, that we're all going to feel a bit lighter. And we're, all, and we're all going to feel a bit different as long as we keep our ears open and allow the Holy Spirit to touch those things in our lives that need to be repented of to be gone. Music team, you can come. I want to close with this thought to get you thinking about it during the week. Are there unhealthy patterns and cycles in your life that you feel yourself getting stuck in? Have you ever felt yourself get stuck in unhealthy patterns and cycles? And you might feel like you're free of it, but then all of a sudden you realise you're back in it again. And you feel like you're free of it, and then all of a sudden you're back into it again. Have you ever experienced unhealthy patterns and cycles in your life? There's an open door. Do you just keep getting sick for no reason? Is it just sickness after sickness after sickness after sickness after sickness after sickness? It's probably an open door. Do you react in a way, in a situation that later causes you regret? Probably the classic example in society is that when someone gets drunk on alcohol and they do something later that they regret because they were under the influence. And normally shame and guilt comes upon them and they normally start to hide because they are shameful and they carry guilt because they did something that they didn't want to do. And so often believers, if we've left an open door, we get angry over nothing. We react in a situation that causes pain to other people. Stuff happens in our life because we're under the influence of the demonic. And later we go, oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I react that way? 
and we get shame and we get guilt and we try to just hide. Have you ever experienced that? Are you experiencing that? There's an open door. But the good news is that Jesus came to set us free. Truly free. Not just free in terms of free, you know, salvation, going to heaven kind of free, but free, truly free. Free of this stuff. Free. Woo! Free. So together, we're going to go on a journey over the next few weeks to a greater level of freedom that we haven't entered into. Do you believe? Father, we thank you today that your word is truth. And we thank you for your spirit of truth who's continually bringing your word, continually speaking to us. We thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to be stuck in anything. You want us to be lovers and worshippers, sons of the King, seeing your kingdom come and your will be done in this area. So God, over these next few weeks, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. And where we need to repent, that we would repent. That we would drop the guard and we would allow your Spirit access. That we would truly walk in the freedom that has been purchased for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who removes everything from our past. You are a God who deals with it all. That we could walk in abundant life with you. We repent of giving the enemy access. And we ask over these next few days and weeks that every door that needs to close, oh, will close in Jesus' name, sealed with the blood of Jesus. Amen.